the seventh episode of the bench warmer on madiba's radio i'm your host Gorgs. we are joined by andre um the new nmu rugby head coach uh andre welcome to madiba's radio and the nmu family oh thank you very much for having me all right uh, f- so first andre uh, can you share a bit about yourself uh before we start uh for all those who don't know who you are Okay, well, my name's Andre Trippadu. Um I started off coaching in the year 2000 um, at schoolboy level, worked my way up, um, also coached at uh, PICA, um Northwest University's PICA Rugby Institute. Uh, I was there for about four years. Then I coached um, at Cheetahs um, for five years before heading to Japan, where I coached with Bobby Tron at the club Dokuma Red Hurricanes. Um, when returning from from uh, Japan, I was fortunate to be assistant coach to Sean Erasmus at Paul Boys High for a year, and in the last two years, I've been in um, in Russia coaching at Slava Moscow, uh, which is a professional club um, in the Russian um, league. Yeah, obviously you mentioned uh, Slava Rugby. Um, so you currently coach of a professional side, uh, Slava, as you mentioned, uh, down in Russia. Uh, with the growing interest of South African uh, rugby players playing in Russia, uh, with the likes of Jordan Holgate who played um, rugby for the Blue Bulls and Western Force Junior Ranks, uh, joining your side, how do you compare the level of rugby that's out um, to South Africa, South African rugby? Yeah, look, it's uh, it, it's picked up a lot in the last year um, because um, a lot of the teams are getting more and more South Africans coming to join them. Mm. Um, especially with the current situation where a lot of the smaller unions don't offer uh, the opportunities and contracts like they used to in the past. Um, it gives those players that sort of fall out of the franchise bracket an opportunity to go and play um, and make a, a pretty good living um, for them in, in Russia. So. Um, the clubs look after the play as well. Uh, I think the standard has picked up a lot this year and it's comparable to first division Curry Cup. Um, you know, maybe towards the bottom, bottom half of first division Curry Cup, I would say. Right, so obviously you, you, um, you had a stint at Shimlers uh, coaching the Young Guns. You obviously played against Madiba's Young Guns. Uh, can you share a bit about what was your experience like uh, playing against uh, NMU rugby uh, outfit? Yeah, look, what, what we found is uh, I was also involved with the Shimla senior side as the analyst. And what we found with coming especially down to Port Elizabeth, it's always a, a tough game. Obviously, you've got the, the friendly win down there, and um, which makes it difficult for, for a brand like Shimla who like running the ball from everywhere. Um, but it was always difficult coming down to Port Elizabeth to play against uh, the Madibas, whether it was the Young Guns or whether it was the Varsity Cup team. Um, we always knew, listen, let's let's just try and get out of out of Port Elizabeth with some points, and it wasn't always achievable. So um, um, obviously, the Eastern Cape is a rich area of rugby, and um, that translates into always having a tough game um, when you come down there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we know that many school rugby players who, are, who get schooled down in Eastern Cape get posted by big unions such as Western Province, uh, the Bulls, the Sharks, then get fit uh, through to the to their respective universities. Uh, you've obviously coached the school rugby outfits in Paul Boys down in Cape Town. Now my question is, how will you be able to motivate school rugby players um, in 2021 to choose enemy rugby over other unions or universities? Yeah, look, at the moment, you have to go and look at what uh, platform the players have after schoolboy rugby. And they are actually it's actually scary how few opportunities there are for the young players coming out of schoolboy rugby at the moment. Um, with only an under-20 national competition going to be run, 
Varsity Cup becomes a big platform and the big thing is to sell uh, Madiba's rugby as a platform um, to potential stars within the Eastern Cape and then obviously um, if there's positions lacking in the Eastern Cape to go and look for players from outside the province that can uh, fill up our pipeline. So the big thing is to sell the platform and also to create a culture of uh, sustainable success within Madiba's rugby. Alright, now, now on to the coaching staff. Um, it was officially announced that Leo Balolento, Barrent, Peterson, Luvoyum Krobiso as your coaching staff and Nico Kuhn as a team manager. Uh, you mind sharing a bit about, um, about your coaching staff and how will they be utilised as coaches in the team? Yeah, so we've got an exciting team together. Um, uh, obviously, Barrent is a well-travelled and experienced coach, having coached at Super Rugby level with the Kings and then yes. also having, having coached with Alistair Kutsia in uh, Japan with Canon Eagles. Um, and then we've got uh, Balu Lento, who's a, still a young coach, um, who's worked with Wusu and done really well with the forwards at Wusu. So, uh, I think that could be a great opportunity for Warren to uh, to mentor um, Luba Balu and also to to learn so that we can learn from each other in the forward exchanges. So both of them will be uh, running the forwards, where one will be running set piece, the other one will be running uh, forward skills. Um, so I think that should complement each other uh, rather well, and then. Um, with Luvuyu coming on board, um, having been an SA under-19 player and a player that's played for the Bulls, also having had success with African Bombers in the local leagues. Um, and that that's really, uh, we will, myself and uh, Luvuyu would complement each other where I'm a bit more uh, uh, coach with a bit of flair from the free state sort of system. He was with the Bulls where you would want that go forward and um, a more uh, forceful runner, run with attitude sort of backline coach. So looking at it in that way, I think the coaching staff will complement each other well. And then um, Niku Kun, who's been a manager with Madibas for ages, um, really, really caring for the players, really going the extra mile um, to look after the players. Um, also excited with, with you know, him. Uh, having heard really good uh, feedback and then Sianda Pini who's our analyst who um, has been doing a great job already you know we've asked him to take out certain um, stats on what sort of um, trends there are in the current varsity cup that that's gone that's passed um, so that we can look at uh, formalizing a, a solid plan going into next season. Alright, so obviously um, next season, obviously we'll be playing the Varsity Cup, so will they be used, all of them for, for Varsity Cup or uh, for the Young Guns as well, or is it different coaching staff for the, for the um, Young Guns? No, so we've got a different coaching staff uh, for the uh, Young Guns, but they will be working closely with the first team. Um, okay. so, that, so that we can create a pathway where um, Young Guns players would be able to slot into the senior team a bit easier after Varsity Cup. Um, and sometimes it happens that some of the Young Guns boys can come up and play, play senior Varsity Cup already. Okay. Alright, so Madibas, as the senior side, has officially been promoted to the Varsity Cup uh, after two years in the Varsity Shield. How will the side in 2021 be able to compete against the powerhouses such as Marty Sticks, just in a few? Yeah, so obviously we've had to do a lot of homework um, after the current season and um, as soon as we got put together as a staff and to look at certain strengths and weaknesses within the current squad, um, we have identified a few positions that we feel uh, we need to add competition because uh, one thing that I want to make clear is that whether you were at Madiba's or whether you're coming to Madiba's, nobody's guaranteed a position in the team. They've got to work hard to, to achieve um, that position. 
But with the coaches, we've identified and with the guys that have been within the system, we've identified a few positions to strengthen. Um, and we've tried to get players of caliber in, in in certain positions. So that's the first thing is to go and look at the squad and then to strengthen in certain positions. We've also got to look within Madiba's, um, there are a lot of players that are most probably playing res or, or, or that are at the university that haven't played. So we've also identified a few players that, that are at the university that haven't played. Um, so those are things that we looked at in terms of coaching staff. The first thing is to, to look at our playing squad and to strengthen in areas where, um, where the coaching staff feels that we need to strengthen. And then it's going to be the way we prepare and the way we plan now to leading into the competition. Um, obviously, Varsity Cup is a step up and everybody wants to play on that platform. And uh, it's going to be important to create a great culture of enjoyment, but also of hard work um, because we're going to be playing against the best of the best in the country in terms of university rugby. Um, so we've done some hard work already. Obviously, there's been a few uh, hiccups um, with the King's situation. Um, and, uh, but we are currently communicating to those players involved and then also looking at uh, one or two other players coming off under-21s at some of the unions. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment in terms of uh, some junior players, a lot of players in the markets, um, but we don't want to just say, we're gonna go and buy a new team. We want to work with the boys that are already in the system. There's some exciting players that are already at Madiba's and then to strengthen one or two positions, strategic positions, if I can call it that. So obviously you've you've mentioned the Kings, obviously they're going through a tough patch at the moment. Uh, could we possibly see uh, a few players getting recruited to uh, possibly strengthen the squad for next season? There, there'll definitely be a few players to come in and uh, strengthen the squad. But as I, told, uh, as I said before, um, that doesn't guarantee them uh, playing time. They've got to work hard to achieve playing time. Um, so it's going to be definitely the guys that work the hardest, that put in the effort, will be in a fun uh, environment of hard work. Um, but the boys that work the hardest will, will get playing time. But yeah, we are looking to bring in a few extra players. Right. So now looking at the enemy rugby club as a whole, um, this obviously includes the Varsity Cup side, the Varsity Sports 7 side, USA, uh, all user competitions, and the men's and women's club rugby. Uh, what goals and objectives do you have uh, for all for all those those um, um, sporting codes or in set disciplines within the rugby industry in NMU? Yeah, so so the, the first goal is to become um, a sustainable Varsity Cup uh, university. Um, so we're going to have to work hard to stay in the in the varsity cup because that will just help us in terms of marketing and recruitment mm. um so that's the the first overall objective and then the second uh, big objective is to um, to become a sustainable uh, student athlete program that is competitive at all levels so we don't want to just be uh, competitive at Varsity Cup and then fall away in the club league. We want to be competitive at all levels. We've got to go and look at um, who, what are the what are the guys that have been the most successful in Varsity Cup. What does their systems look like? And then we need to try and improve on their systems. So I know teams that have been successful of late, like Marty's, um, even Vitz, um, mm. they've also had really successful teams within their club system and also within their USA teams. So the big challenge for us is not to only focus on Varsity Cup, but that is a bit, obviously the biggest thing is to, to be try and be successful in Varsity Cup and then also to, to look at, um, um, you know, obviously through solid um, mentoring programs uplift our coaching at all levels, uplift our high performance program at all levels. Um, and yeah, if, if we can get a good system in place, then the system will look after 
itself later on and we would also look after results. So coaching is a process driven and we need to put some solid processes in place uh, from that a boy arrives there in the first year out of school until um, when he graduates because at the end of the day we want to, we want to create players who also graduate and uh, can play a, a good part in, um, in society. Right. Um, I just want to ask as well. I know, obviously, now currently we have we are, have COVID nineteen and are obviously in regulation lockdowns that's happening at the moment. Will that play a part in next year's competition? I mean, we haven't heard anything yet um, come from Inter Rugby. I don't know. Maybe you guys obviously have heard anything from Inter Rugby in terms of the competition for next season, which will obviously be held in February. Yeah, look, there's currently a lot of conversation going on about uh, academic years and when it will finish. Um, because, you know, as you know, a varsity cup competition is based on whether you pass your previous year's um, academics. 60 so credits. Yeah, so 60 credits, whether, and, and that can only be done after the completion of the academic year. Um, so I think varsity cup, as we know, it might move a bit later in the year. Not much, but it might move a month on or two, we're not sure, but there, there has been some um, some communication between Varsity Cup and the rugby managers so that we uh, can plan. It's very difficult to plan if you don't know when the competition will start, um, but at the moment it seems as though um, by the first week in October they'll have a, um, a big meeting where all the final um, decisions will be made. I think around the 6th of October, that meeting will take place. And then we'll have certainty in terms of the dates um, of when Boston Cup will start. Right. Uh, lastly, do you have a message to all enemy rugby players, uh, fans and listeners out there who obviously support um, the NMU rugby brand, or let me say, Madiba's uh, rugby team? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm really excited to be coming down uh, to Port Elizabeth and um, we're going to try and create an excitement around the team and we need everyone's support. Um, this is not one person's team, it's it's everyone's team, the whole university, the students, student life, best time of your life. Um, so when we play home games, we want everyone to come out and support um, the Madibas. Um, we definitely going to... Uh, give it everything and um, hope, hopefully not disappoint our fans. Um, but it's got to be enjoyable, it's got to be fun, it's got to be vibey. And that's what we're looking to create at Madiba's. Alright, uh, thank you Andre um, for joining us on Madiba's Radio. Uh, we trust that you enjoyed your time on the show. And uh, the public will obviously work out well informed of all your plans for enemy rugby. Um, thanks uh, Andre. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Nathan, and I uh, yeah, look forward to, to working with you in the future. Uh, that was Andre, uh, the Madiba's Rugby Varsity Cup coach. That concludes the first segment of the venture, but do stay tuned after the break.
So we are back on the bench warmer on Madiba's Red. It's your host, Gorbs. Today we have a guest all the way from Cape Town. Uh, I was lucky enough to be coached by him. Craig, welcome to the show. Good evening, Nate. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Uh, all right, firstly, Craig, uh, can you tell us a bit about who you are, uh, where you come from, and what you do for a living? Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, at the moment a, a rugby coach. Um, I'm involved across the board from um, junior boys, senior schoolboy rugby, um, through to club rugby, um, director of cup and in the SLA. Um, as a head coach in the league and as a defence coach in, in the Varsity Cup, as well as uh, Western Province schools and to be involved in the under-16 Grand Como side for, for two years and what was meant to be this year as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's my involvement at the moment. All right, so, um, um, I just want to say congratulations, uh, Craig, on your marriage. Uh, I know it's been a tough year but you managed to tie, tie the knot. Uh, you obviously conquered the cancel culture. Uh, did you perhaps have any guess? Because, I mean, we weren't involved uh, as, as your past, uh, past players. <laughs> yeah, firstly, thanks very much. Uh, yeah, the lockdown, while it's uh, brought a lot of negative to, to so many people and it's really challenged us uh, emotionally and physically and, and financially, um, it really has had some positives and I think it's, it's given us all an opportunity to maybe um, put a bit more focus or time into, into relationships and into to other activities. So yeah, it was really good time for us to, to get married. We've been together for um, over 10 years now. Um, so we walked a, a journey and it's been great. Um, so yeah, we, we had a small event and, and uh, looking to do a big celebration towards the end of next year when when we can do so. Um, obviously, once lockdown and, and COVID is hopefully um, somewhat behind us. Right, so obviously you featured on the latest installment of the virtual uh, Craven Week edition on Supersport. I mean, how was that experience for you? Yeah, I think it's firstly a great initiative by School Sports Live. And um, they've got a great team there and they really, in the, in the last few years or a couple of years now, have, have really helped put Schoolboy Rugby um, out there globally and across SA. Um, so they've got a great product and it was great to work with um, BC and doing that uh, filming and, and with a couple of the boys. And it's also nice to see the, the other guys I've coached at a provincial level also feed there. Um, I think it just shows that the talent in the Western province and and the testament to, to how well they do in the youth weeks year in, year out. Um, so it was a great, great initiative. Obviously quite sad um, being being uh, the case uh, that uh, rugby not having taken place. But uh, yeah, a nice thing to be part of and, and uh, uh, good to yeah, so staying on to the topic of the Craven Week, you obviously currently coach the wall uh, due to the cancer culture. You obviously coach the Dynasty 16 West Province side. Um, so, what's the diff What do you think? What do you think is the main difference between uh, schoolboy rugby and the provincial level uh, in terms of management uh, setup and the level of professionalism? Yeah, this is something we, we talk about quite a lot. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's probably um, easy to compare it when you go from, say, Super Rugby to uh, International Rugby. Um, the Springboks get together and they've only got a short time to work together. Um, they can't really work too much on skill. Um, they expect the players to have the skill set required per position. So they work really on mindset and then plan. Um, and it's a similar model with the, the Grand Coma or the Craven Week. You only you do a set of trials and you only really get your team a week before you leave on a, on a three-day camp and then straight into to the youth week. So um, it's a lot to pulling the guys together, um, developing the brand and, and, and the Western Province style of play and mindset, um, and creating a strategy um, around the tournament. Uh, 
the, the youth weeks are a fairly unique structure. There's certain rules and regulations which which make them a little bit tricky in terms of game time. That and um, I think uh, we've we've managed to get that right last year in in White River with under-16s where we had a good tournament and a very very talented side. Um, I think it's it's exciting to work with those boys and and all the different schools and the, and the way they come in as individuals and I think they leave at the end as, as better individuals, but also um, as a, as a collective unit um, to to play some good rugby. All right. Now, due to the obviously the COVID outbreak, there was no Craven Week at Grand Como, um, and obviously the schoolboy rugby season. Uh, how much do you think this has impacted schoolboy rugby in general? Well, I think um, it's it's been really tragic. Um, I think if you look, um, I think the Matricks have obviously been hit the hardest in terms of their last year. A lot of them have played rugby at school for twelve years. And, and worked all the way up for this year. They, they've trained for hours and hours and hours in the gym and on the field to, to get their opportunity to be, be the matric and the, the leader in the team. And so it's been immense loss for them. And then across the board, and so much opportunity for each boy to play under 14, 15, 16, and get the opportunity to learn the lessons there, to develop, and get to know himself a lot better. And so I think we're gonna feel the effect um, Unlike most setbacks like injury and sickness and things like that, it, this has happened to everyone. So it's, it's not as though, um, you know, half the country's been able to play and half the country hasn't. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Um, we're going to have guys effectively coming out of um, under 15 last year, not really playing under 16 this year and, and having to come into a first team environment yeah. next year on the main stage. And playing against some of the best players in the country. So it's going to be tricky and I think um, the schools that get their conditioning and their basics um, back up to, to a standard are the, are the ones that are going to do well. Yeah, on, touching base on, on the conditioning side, I mean, uh, I, I think you guys have started already uh, with Weinberg and, and UCT. Can you, can you share more about what have you guys been in doing in, in the gym or on the field? Alright, so obviously due to, as you said um, about the conditioning, um, obviously I believe you guys have started at, at Weinberg and at UCT with a bit of uh, on-field training and, and, and gym work. Can you, can you share more about that? Yeah, so um, we, we're trying to return to um, some sort of normality um, as, as the president would have addressed recently with level two, gyms are opening and, and the boys are able to return to uh, gym-based training, which is obviously a massive component in their conditioning towards rugby. Um, you know, you can only get so far um, training at home, body weight um, exercises and, and road running. Um, so that's a great step for the guys and I think it gives them a lot of energy. There are a lot of protocols involved, but I think they're all, they're all manageable. Um, and as of today, we, we, we've got back into action um, at both schoolboy and, and, and university level. Um, yeah, the on-field stuff will have to wait a little bit, um, but hopefully in September we can we can return to some kind of um, social distance training um, and activity um, to get the boys moving and and excited about being back at some form of rugby again. Mm. So uh, we all know that Western Province is one of the most competitive unions in the country. Uh, have there been talks for the Paul schools to possibly join the schools in, in Borland? I mean, it has come up quite a, uh, quite a bit. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, it's always an interesting one, you know, and I think whoever you involve in the conversation, it, it, it might have a different opinion or go in a different direction. But um, it's something that's often discussed, and, you know, and not necessarily with me involved, but I, I believe so. And yeah, I think I think Western Province will look to hold on to, to those schools as long as they can. Yeah. They're obviously uh, very, very strong and, and they provide a lot of talented players for the union so um, at the moment I don't, I don't foresee any change there. Uh, I believe there was there was uh, a Western Province, uh, there were two teams from Western Province 
um, did it help quite a bit as well with obviously having two teams from Western Province? Yeah, so for 2020, um, we, we were going to have two Grand Como teams at under 16 level and uh, actually four four under 18 teams, two in the Craven Week and two in the Academy Week, yeah. um, which is great. And, and uh, one of those teams in the Academy Week is, is, is generally speaking, um, from uh, the development school uh, phase, which is fantastic to give those, those boys who don't necessarily play week in, week out in the Super A League an opportunity to, to play on a provincial level and, and progress themselves, the ones that stand out in, in their schools and, and are managed to go through the trial process. So yeah, the, the rugby is very strong to send um, six high school teams away to youth weeks um so eight eight teams to to youth weeks in a year i think is is incredible feat for the union all right do you, do, um do you think school rugby is becoming more and more uh, professional i mean we see a lot of professional union coaches um coaching at top boys schools um paul jim and a few schools in down in in, in Joburg, obviously having same 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 um um thing that's been happening now with all the uh, big coaches coaching high school level yeah i think schoolboy rugby has definitely um evolved um over the sort of the last 10 years um i think when i started coaching um uh, schoolboy level in the junior ranks sort of under 15 16 even then you know it, it was very it was very amateur in terms of um analysis conditioning um game plans game models leadership um performance analysis uh, all those things that that are now basic um things that are done at, at a first team level um at schoolboys so yeah i think it's it's an incredible level um i think there's there's obviously some schools that have got a better model and, and doing it better than others um but i think week in week out in this country um, we say, particularly in in the Western Cape, we're playing against good coaches um, who've had exposure at the top level. Um, we have coaching assistants who've played and coached at the top level, um, and they're really doing their homework. They, you know, you can't come into a game with with the same lineup calls week in week out as your your ball will be taken. Um, so uh, there's a lot of a lot of analysis, a lot of um, conditioning that goes in. Um, GPS tracking, just just as a, a, a union would do, um, just on a slightly smaller scale or, or on budget or or uh, time. So yeah, it's, it's an incredible product, I believe, um, and I think it's one of those things that you have to just keep up, um, because if if you slack off in terms of your professionalism, you just will get left behind um, from the other schools. Yeah, you were talking about about the budget. Do you think um, obviously do you think the financial power does play a role in that? Obviously, acquiring the the, the services of, of of top name coaches in the country. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the the outside of a culture of your rugby at a school or union, which is incredibly important to give you direction, and um, players, coaches um, are probably two of the main. Um, tools that you need and uh, the better your coaches are the more cohesive they are and um, the stronger the more time they have to work together and then the better your players are um, as a base is going to give you that opportunity over over the next and and sadly a lot of that has to do with budget um, you know at a school like Weinberg we, we've got some fantastic coaches um, involved with all our teams um, but but a lot of them are donating some of their time they're doing it in between their work um, or in between their own playing um, or, or coaching elsewhere. So, um, you know, budget plays a, is a massive role, as it does at the professional level. Um, it, it equally does at schoolboy, um, mainly around the, the um, ability to have top-level coaches pay them and uh, remunerate them for their time and their expertise, as well as being able to, to bring in players um, from under 14 or, or along the way who, who can really compete at the highest level. Yeah, so uh, last so last week Friday, um, the elite uh, player development webinar was concluded. Uh, did you uh, um, perhaps attend? Unfortunately not. No, I wasn't there. All right. Can you share more about what was what was happening in that whole uh, 
webinar for elite player development. Um, is that um, uh, with, um, yeah, so I mean, I think I've been involved to an extent with that. Um, Nate, I, I was on a camp last year with under 16s, um, it's a great model which they're pushing out to um, the unions through the provincial coaches and um, to then fall to all the schools um, in, in the various provinces um, around their standards and norms, around their game model um, and how they want to play um, at an, an SA schools level um, and what sort of players that they, they're looking for and the expectations. I think once again, as I mentioned earlier, at that level, the players need to have the skills. And um, so they're saying to us at a provincial and at a schoolboy level, that we need to help develop those players um, so that when they get there, that the hooker can throw and, and that the kicker can kick and the center can pass, um, you know, and the loose forward can poach, uh, for a few simple examples. So, yeah, I think they've uh, really, in my involvement in, in recent times, um, guys like Nico Serpentine and Herman Masimla, they're really, they're really developing a good product there and it's starting to expand into the schools and the unions, which I think is the key um, because invariably that's where the players develop the skills to perform at a national level. Uh, they don't have the time to teach players the individual skills. 100%. Now, touching base on, on player development, I mean, it's, it's in, in professional setup, I'm sure you know as well, that normally players go out to, to outreach programs and helping in communities. How important do you think it is for, for perhaps starting at, at, a, at a, young, a younger age in high schools in, in, um, in boys going out into underprivileged places and obviously helping out a bit? I mean, to obviously help them in terms of, of, of their personal development as well. Yeah, I think it's an immense part of um, the mentorship of the boys um, and their development. And I think they, they firstly get a lot out of it in terms of understanding how to coach how to transfer information, pass on some of their knowledge. It, it makes them think of the game a bit differently, think deeper into to how they do something um, so that they can transfer that knowledge. So that's the benefit for them um, and us as a, as, a, as a school or club. But um, obviously then uh, the, the addition and, and the most important is, is the opportunity to sort of give back and uh, pass on some of the stuff that they've learned um, connect with with uh, with boys and um, who don't have as much exposure to to good coaching and mentorship and and really just give a bit of time. So we we try and involve as much as we can there um, with with good projects um, and good organisations that that cre are creating platforms for boys to. Spend their time. So obviously you coached me for three years. I think my last year at Weinberg was our peak uh, point out of the three years. Um, Craig, I just want to ask you, what makes a, what makes a good coach in, in making a successful side? Yeah, Nate, we had, we had a good time. It was um, some, some awesome memories um, on the field and off the field. And I think a, a lot we've both learned since then. Um, I think as a coach, you, you want to understand you do it um, you've got to understand your why and, and and what motivates you to coach I think that's the that's the ultimate um, starting point and then from there um, you develop the, the way you approach your team and the way you approach the game um, and and competition um, and then from there um, I think uh, you've got to build good relationships I think it's something that that um, I really enjoy as, as part of the job. I, I find uh, I, I try my best to not rush relationships with players and coaches, but to try and build strong relationships. Um, I think at that point, 
you can get um, a lot out of each other and, and as a coach you can demand uh, really high standards if, if you're willing to invest and, and put a lot of time into the players to, to understand um, what, what type of player they are, what type of person, what motivates them, um, why they play the game and to really, um, something I've learned over the years and, and continue to, to get better is to, to understand each each player as an individual and what they bring to to the team and and are they all different um, so yeah I think that's the the starting point um, and then um, I have mentioned it but your ability to learn and 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 uh, grow as a coach you, you once you know you think you know everything you you um, you you're halfway to to losing so I think you've got to be willing to learn all the time and and but at the same time take true to your philosophy or, or, or your way because I think it's very easy to get caught up um, in in copy and pasting and 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 taking too much from others that you don't properly understand um, so yeah that would that would be my my basic um, beat there. Yeah, I mean, we did have, have a couple. Of, we did have a couple of good, good, uh, good uh, victories in my last year, and obviously it was very, very memorable. Um, I obviously learned quite a lot from high school, high school ball, high school ball rugby. Um, obviously coming from you and and, and Gus. Um, but moving on to the next question, uh, recently you were in England. Um, you were involved in the Saracens coaching ranks, if I believe. Um, can you tell us more about how that experience was for you? Yeah, incredible experience. Um, my, myself and a guy named Sean Lucas, who, who runs the SNC at Weinberg and, and at UCT, um, I arranged for him to join me and we, we spent a couple of weeks in the UK. Um, it was a great experience. Firstly, we were, we were at Saracens for about 10 days. Um, and we just observed and, and got into conversation and, and uh, got involved here and there um, and really got to witness a week and a bit of their setup um, through a game week uh, which involved Saracens Storm which is their, their A side um, as well as the Saracens men's side playing. Um, we went and, and then watched at the end of the week the game at, uh, at Twickenham Stoop um, against Quinns. Uh, which they won and it was just great to watch their whole build up in a match week um, how professional they are um, how, how well the coaches prepare how many hours they spend the way they um, connect with the players and ask questions they exceptional and the use of technology and, and the way they present things is just on a, on a seriously high level um, so I think it's probably the most I've ever learned in an environment in a week um, and, and just so happy to share and, and learn not only the coaches there and Mark McCall, their director of rugby, but also their, their players. You know, you, you sit and have lunch with Marco Vinopolo and you talk about scrums and he's happy to chat and, and, and share and, and, you know, ask you questions as well. So that was great. And from there we went and spent uh, 10 days again at Gloucester. Um, which was also awesome. Jan Ackermann was is the coach then. He's moved on now, but um, he was running a great operation, and and their assistant coaches and him were were, were awesome. Um, a number of players there as well. Danny Cipriani, Clabran Kobler, um, just just to name a few that that spent a lot of time with us on the field and and off the field, um, just chatting the game and and how it's different there and what what they've learned in their journey. So yeah, it was it was an immense eye-opener and a really good exposure to to rugby at the highest level in, in the UK. You know, t- talking about 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 the professional uh, rugby, um, obviously you've got the best of, you had the experience of, of seeing um, uh, firsthand the best of both worlds. What do you think is the difference between England rugby and SA rugby um, structures? Yeah, I think it's it's obviously a tough one, and I have had quite a bit of exposure. I've, I've been very lucky to um, have a mentor in Norman Laker, who's who's the current Stormers um, defence coach, an incredibly passionate guy, and a great rugby rugby coach. And um, so I've I've been I've exposed to their environment as well, and and they do some incredible things, and it's a really good good setup. Um, 
but and I think the game is quite different. The demands are are, are very different um, in the Premiership and the Heineken Cup versus Super Rugby and Curry Cup. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think in the Prem the, and there they play for for about 42 weeks of the year, so they they're really playing week in week out rugby. Um, it's a really different environment. Um, but I think ultimately the most obvious thing is is their administration. So the way they run their club um, off the field is really, really impressive. Um, I was just, everything runs so well, it's so organized, it's very, very efficient. Um, everything, the back office systems and administration. And then the second thing that was really standout is their, their culture to learn um, and share is, is really strong um, compared to generally speaking in South Africa. Um, they didn't really know us from a bar of soap. Uh, we came in there um, and two South African guys uh, who are not rugby names and uh, they, they were willing to chat and le learn with us and learn from us but also share and, and uh, because, because of what they could maybe get out of it and what they could maybe pass on. So I think their willingness to include you and and share um, is, is really standout as well as, as I said, the, the administration is is, re is really, really good. Now, uh, obviously, the, obviously, as you said, Saracens obviously have a sound, um, sufficient um, um, club, rugby club. Do you, pop, uh, uh, do you possibly see yourself coaching overseas? Uh, we already see it with school rugby players and moving abroad. Yeah, I think the overseas rugby environment is very, very attractive. Um, uh, for, for, for the reasons I've just mentioned, as well as uh, just great opportunity in a new environment to test yourself. Um, it's a really interesting style of rugby, um, very competitive um, and very uh, relentless. It's week in, week out, um, different conditions, you know, some, you know, from extreme um, weather conditions to, to decent weather conditions. So it, it really is an attractive in my view, opportunity for a coach. Um, so yeah, I definitely see that as an opportunity in the future, and um, but certainly not in any sort of hurry. Um, I, I'm really enjoying what's happening at the moment in, in SA Rugby with with Rassi and Jacques, Nina at the top, um, right through um, uh, Jean Rue and um, Louis Kuhn in the under 20s, as well as down into schoolboy rugby with Nico and Herman and and all of them and, and into the, the provincial thing. So it's, there's a lot of opportunity here and I'm, I'm certainly not on the first bus out of out of here, but um, it is definitely an opportunity in, in the future. Now, obviously, Craig, you spoke about opportunity. Um, I mean, recently there have been, there've been talks of, of not, not, not many opportunities being given to, to coaches in making a step, in the next step into into um, higher um, coaching roles. What's your take on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very tricky one. I think um, the, the challenge in South Africa is that any coach that's coached for 10 years or 12 years at a schoolboy level, um, even at some junior provincial level at Western Province or the Sharks or Bulls, they almost feel um, that, that they're ready and they can coach at the next level without necessarily the right exposure or, or the, you know, um, and really understanding what that environment uh, demands. Um, and I think the, the challenge is that um, to understand the demands of coaching at a professional level. I've had, as I mentioned, great exposure, experiencing that. That, that environment at a Stormers level, at a Saracens level, um, and it's, it's, it really is a significant jump. Um, I think most, as, as, as high standard as school bay rugby is, and maybe even club rugby, it really is a, a significant jump to professional rugby. So I think there, there are times where I think there are some guys that are hard done by and they're, they're not perhaps given opportunities. Um, but at the same time, I think um, that professional jump is, is further away from any coaches than they like to believe. All right. Um, speaking on, on, on coaches and, 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 um, and their job, uh, career, their careers, I see many coaches also having other jobs on the side, uh, such as Andre Fenter, who's a doctor by profession. 
uh, Jakob Paper, um, who's, a, who's, a, who's a lawyer, in the right, in, just name a few in the rugby industry. Do you think coaching alone is a sustainable career? Yeah, coaching and rugby in South Africa is a, is a very difficult one if, if that's your only um, source of business or, or, or income. Um, I think it's important not only um, for your own sake, but to have to have other things going on if that's possible. Um, I think relying on the game is is very difficult. Um, you can quite easily see yourself out of a contract, um, and and then you you you're in trouble. You know, so I think it, it really is important to have something else going on. I think you'll find most coaches and even players. Um, that might be playing for the Stormers or coaching the Stormers or the Sharks will have other little things on the side which which take up a bit of their time and, and, and just to, to have something else um, in the background to, to occupy your mind and, and diversify your, your focus um, because I think um, it also can get um, a bit intense and, and it's good to clear your mind on other things. So I think, yeah, it is really important and I try and stay involved in other things and opportunities here and there um, where possible. Yeah, no, no, let's take it back, let's take a step back a bit into uh, um, schoolboy rugby. Um, obviously in the past there have been scandals of boys getting posted by different schools. Uh, can you share more about that? Um, obviously I, I believe you guys obviously have cut ties with, with poor boys. Yeah, so the very competitive environment, um, schoolboy, as I said earlier, and um, players and coaches being the two most important tools, and and specifically players. So um, there's always going to be that level of competition around boys, and and um, um, some schools have greater opportunity to fund bursaries and scholarships and hostel accommodation and um, things like that. So it's always going to be very competitive. Um, Weinberg and, and Paul Boys are uh, we were scheduled to play each other this year again um, in terms of uh, rebuilding the relationship. Um, we were unfortunate to lose um, that player to, to Paul, which we were, were not happy about. Um, but it's water under the bridge, really, and, and we've moved on. Um, he's a good kid, um, and uh, he will do well there. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it is very competitive, and, and our principal and school have sort of a no-tolerance toler sort of policy around taking boys that we've invested in and that, that we're mentoring and developing at Weinberg, um, but at the same time, um, I guess boys and parents have the right to, to go and move where they wish and where they believe they will do best. So, yeah, at the end of the day, you just hope that you make a great enough impact on the boy and the family and, and they um, as excited to be part of the school and the culture and the organization as much as you, you are to have them. So, yeah, but it is a it is a tricky environment. Yeah, but I mean, I guess at, at the end of the day, it's it's obviously the best opportunity for, for the kid. As you said, the parents obviously do play a role in that. Um, but yeah, it is it is what it is. Um, but I honestly do believe that that um, it's kids should should have a have a say in where they want to want to go to school. Um, but yeah, so but moving on to the next question now, a trending topic that's been talked about for quite some time. Um, is a Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I don't know. Do you perhaps want to want to talk about that a bit? What's your take on it? Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, you know, I prefer not to talk too much on it. Um, um, yeah, and I think there's been a lot in the media now. Um, you know, in the various games and and hearts dealt with. Um, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I think let, let's maybe avoid that one for, for now, if possible. Okay. Um, uh, last, lastly, Craig, uh, what's your take on transformation in the rugby fraternity uh, for both players and coaches in relation to um, to being given a fair opportunity? Yeah, incredible one. You know, um, I, I'm in, incredibly um, excited to work at a school like Weinberg, um, where um, we are, are, are massive on diversity and, and 
we transform, we 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 excited about giving boys opportunities. And um, you'll hear the head at Weinberg talk about giving opportunities and then mentoring boys to help take those. I think that's an important part of the process um, in, in giving boys that can't on and has the opportunity of coming to school and, and develop and, and this. So many boys uh, coming out of uh, environments that they might not have uh, realized um, uh, opportunities to be at a school like Weinberg um, and go on to to do uh, great things, you know, um, and, and get uh, provincial sporting contracts and go and study. Um, we've got some great examples now matriculating and in the last few years of guys that have come in um, and really taken the opportunities and, and, you know, I think changed their life and, and the life of their family to come and, and uh, yeah, which is it's just incredible to be a part of that um, and something we're really, really happy about at Weinberg and we put a lot of uh, emphasis on. All right, Craig, that's all the time we have for today's edition on the bench warmer. Craig, do you perhaps want to share your social media handles, uh, including your team's social media handles as well? Um, yeah, so you can uh, see us at uh, uh, Weinberg Rugby, which is Weinberg uh, Rugby Official on Instagram. Um, mine is Craig Childs 89 um, on Instagram as well. Thanks very much for, uh, for chatting. It's, it's been great to talk. Oh, good to see you doing well and, and doing good things. Yeah, Craig, um, just, uh, just, just want to say thank you for joining us on, 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 on Madiba's radio, uh, the Benchwarmer. Uh, hopefully the, the listeners out there listened and obviously enjoyed the show. All right, so that was Craig Charles, the current UCI Kids and Weinberg Director of Rugby. That's all the time we have on today on the Benchwarmer. I'm your host, Gorgs. We'll be back on Friday, same time, 5 to 6 on Madiba's radio, the best youth station in the Bay. Do stay tuned next time. Cheers.